In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The scribes and Pharisees, those considered uh, to be uh, the righteous ones of Israel, were trying desperately to find a flaw in the character of Jesus so that they could destroy his reputation and his ministry. They could find no flaw, but they could find flaws in the people who were flocking to Jesus. Now that is something that they could use against him. So when the Pharisees murmured these words, that man receives sinners and even eats with them. They meant that as an indictment against the character of Jesus. But ironically, those words make a fabulous tableau for the very heart of the Christian gospel. And to try to help them understand this, Jesus told them two parables that in truth make a window into the very heart of God. One of the parables deals with the lost sheep, and the other parable deals with a lost coin. Now, the word lost can be a shock word. Attach the word lost to almost anything that you can name, some object of value or need, and most of us feel frustration and panic. Am I right? Just attach the words lost to keys, tickets, Suitcase, glasses, wallet, credit card, wedding band. I speak from experience. Heaven knows where I lost my original wedding band. Jane bought me a second one. But in short time, I lost the second wedding band. And she told me that under no uncertain circumstances would she buy me another. Then 10 years ago, on our 30th wedding anniversary, I surprised her by giving her... Uh, the third wedding band for her to place on my finger. Isn't that nice of me? But the thing is, the thing is, I don't wear it. And why don't I wear it? Fear of losing it. (laughs) I know what's the use of having one if you don't wear it, but I'm just making the point. Is that if you lose something that's precious to you and then you find it, it's a big deal. So these parables that Jesus told are parables that I suspect almost any of us uh, can uh, identify with. First is the parable of the lost sheep. In this parable, the shepherd leaves the flock of 99, and with great determination, he goes after the one lost sheep. He finds the sheep, he carries it back, and invites his friends uh, to celebrate and to rejoice with him. Years before, uh, just a few years before uh, I left for seminary, I came across in a in a small little, small town antique store, an old framed etching of the good shepherd carrying back home on his shoulders the one lost sheep. And every church I've ever been in since, it's always been uh, in the office. I gaze at it often. The determined look on the, on the shepherd's eyes with the marks of crucifixion already in his hands and his feet. And the clueless, foolish look. Of the sheep's face with whom I identify. And whenever I leave, I want to bequeath that uh, that old etching to the advent. But before you marvel at my generosity, I might add that I paid I paid all of twenty thousand fifty cents for it. But who knows? Uh, maybe on Antiques Roadshow you'll find it. It's uh, worth a lot more. But what an amazing illustration 
of the grace of God in this parable. And Jesus concludes it by saying, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And we're being asked here right off the bat, with whom do you identify? The one sheep is prone to wander or the 99 that believes that believes he needs no repentance Uh, The 99 who need no repentance calls to mind the picture of Luke chapter 531, where it records Jesus' words saying, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not called, I have not come to call the righteous, but those who need repentance. You know, it's common parlance uh, for folks to say that they are a sinner, but there's no real contrition. In the heart, kind of like in the New Yorker cartoon where a prim and proper woman says about her neighbor, she's a bad mother who, who says she's a bad mother but thinks she's a good mother. The church is full of sinners who say they are sinners but really don't think they are especially that way, uh, of course. And, and a lot of them have collars around their neck, uh, but, but not I. Uh, I take great pride in my humility. <clears throat> but we can... But the truth of the matter is we can all be so thankful that Jesus associates, uh, that he receives, uh, and he just won't give up on finding uh, the sinner when he is lost. And then Jesus told another parable similar to it. The second parable is about a poor woman who lost a silver coin. Now, the shepherds were moderately comfortable anyway, and his search is driven more by compassion than by need. He had 99 other sheep. But the poor woman's search search is driven by how much she values the coin. And she's not going to give up until she finds it. And when she does, she lights and she sweeps and she lights the lamps and looks everywhere. And then finally, when she finds it, she's so uh, elated that she invites her friends and neighbors to join her. And again, you know this to be true. I mean, haven't you lost something? And you look everywhere in the world it could be, and in everywhere in the world it can't be. That was advice my grandmother gave me years and years ago. Said, look everywhere it can be and everywhere it can't be, and you're sure to find it. I never find that particularly helpful. I would still be looking for that first reading band, in that case, wherever it couldn't be. Well, these parables are told so that two primary reasons. First of all, that we should identify with the objects that are lost, the sheep and the coin. The sheep represents the man or woman wandering from one pasture to the next, hour by hour, day by day, unaware all along that he is straying farther away from the flock, unaware that what he is really doing is leaving the good life, the better life. The the coin depicts a little different aspect of the human condition. It's lifeless. The coin can't even bleat for help like the sheep. And we may not be inanimate like the coin, but spiritually without God's grace, we are, without God's grace, we are lifeless. And there's nothing more helpless than that which is dead. Just as St. Paul has written in Colossians, you were once dead in trespasses, but God has made you alive, having forgiven your trespasses, nailing them to the cross. And the second reason these parables are told is that we might come to a deeper understanding of how God actually relates uh, to his sinful children. Jesus is telling us that what unlocks God's heart are the areas in my life in which I find myself confused, lost, 
lifeless. He said it in a hundred different ways. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, not the so-called got it together. You and I naturally think it's the other way around, like all the other religions. But no, these parables tells us that the very object of God's joy are his lost sheep and his lost coin. And that's you and me. Like the sheep, could you wander so far away that God, unlike the good shepherd, would say, I really, I'm not, I'm not going that far to find the sheep. You know, the answer is emphatically no. Unlike, I mean, like the coin, could you be so dead in trespasses that God, unlike the woman, would say, I give up? Absolutely not. That's why Jesus told these parables to these squeaky clean Pharisees and scribes. This is the very message that turned the world upside down. God help us to believe them to be a clear window into the heart of God. And I close with a very ancient but very simple prayer, a prayer of Martin Luther's. Lord Jesus Christ, I am the sheep and the piece of silver. Thou the shepherd and the woman. Yours are living words. Your gospel is too deep to be fathomed by the human mind. Amen.